0: This episode contains graphic information and violence against women and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Would you like some murder with your coffee? Welcome to Morning Murders. I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda. And I'm Brenna. We're just three gals that like to sit around,
2: drink coffee, and talk about true
1: crime, true crime, true crime. and murder. And murder. Murder. As you
2: didn't know by it, the title of the podcast.
1: Oh, oh, oh yes, Morning Murders. <gasps> she said the name. <laughs> she said the name. <laughs> That's always the best part. Uh, and speaking of murder, let's get right back into this extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile human. Mm-hmm. Right here. Oh,
2: sorry. <laughs> the Zodiac Killer's
1: right here. The Zodiac
2: Killer is here.
1: Mm. Ah, did you guys see that movie though with Zach Ephron? The, the extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and yes. vile.
2: Where he played Ted Bundy? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see it. I know that there was a discussion about the people being I, I might I I didn't see it, but people were worried about like the fact that he was being like romanticized in it, they thought, maybe? But also, like, how terrible it is it to be Zac Efron where, like, it doesn't matter what you do, you're, like, the hot <laughs> dude. Like, I, I'm Oh, God, it must be so terrible. But he's, like, the hot guy in so many situations that he can't even just play a serial killer. Yeah. Everyone's like, you're making Ted out
1: to be a, a hot dude. That's not fair. Like, That's not fair. Although, But, I mean, it's also kind of, like, how it was. It's on Netflix. I personally really enjoyed it. And I think that it's really appropriate because a lot of women did and still do fantasize and romanticize all this Ted Bundy stuff, which is crazy. But I thought the casting was really great in the whole thing. Because I think everybody does such such a great job, um, but back to the truth or decided truth for some, and uh, and just really, just, just really drive this home. So these murders and attacks are very brutal. And if you are triggered or greatly affected by sexual assault or brutal attacks on women, please, 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 please do what is best for yourself. We completely understand if you want to skip this episode and join us for another fun espresso this week because we have another one coming. espresso. Espresso. Uh, Yeah, we've we've got you and we support you and we super appreciate that you're here and you've been tuning in and sharing coffee with us. Mm. With all that, though, let's get into these murders. Ooh. So let's journey back to 1974. Ted Bundy was 27 years old and he has begun to step into his extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile version of himself. His first is a survivor. Known to many as Joni Lenz, but in the Netflix series Ted Bundy Falling for a Killer, she comes forward as her real self. Her name is Karen Sparks Epley. And what happened to her is absolutely horrendous. Uh, She was asleep in her bed on January 4th, 1974, when it is said that Bundy entered her room. She was staying in the basement room of a house uh, that she shared with other roommates. She was a dancer. She was a student at the University of Washington. She had gone to bed just like any other night, thinking about what she needed to do the next day, and completely unaware of what... Was about to happen, and the fact that she would spend 18 to 20 hours basically in a coma until she was found. Mm-hmm. So, Bundy went into her room, took the bed frame off of her bed, and smashed her skull. What? Wh- he, mm-hmm. Why? He repeatedly bludgeoned her with that metal object while she slept and continued to sexually assault her with the same object, which caused major internal damage. Um, she laid in a pool, literally a pool of her own blood for hours until her roommates got worried that she hadn't come out of her room. Uh, she suffered extensive brain damage. She lost 50% of her hearing, 40% of her vision. Uh, she says she also still hears ringing in her ears constantly. Um, for a bit after the attack, she also suffered from epi- epileptic fits, but at this time, um, they've kind of slowed down and she's been able to overcome them. Um, She stayed out of the spotlight and did her best to kind of have a life outside of her traumatic past. Uh, Karen said that women like us, women that have been attacked, women that have been raped, women that are survivors, they kept their secrets to themselves. I don't know why. We're taught to just get on with it. She didn't want to get stuck in her, her whirlwind that has now become Ted Bundy. She said, you know, I just wanted to do normal things, be a normal person. I didn't want to be marked as a victim what Whoa.
2: what are we meant to do
1: mm-hmm. what is
2: what is it that we as um female presenting people what are we meant to do we have to hold our keys in our knuckles we have to always have our head on a swivel we have to not go to bed in our own bedroom like mm-hmm. what is it that what are we meant to do what is it because you know every every um time one of these attacks happens or like you know this it's so prevalent um women just walking to a place when they're at like you know just walking from their dorm to wherever like and getting attacked like and everyone always goes like were you listening what were you wearing did you have your head on a swivel like it's almost as if like I've heard that thing before where they say like you know always always be aware of your surroundings but it's almost like it's almost like um be in a good headspace so that they go get someone else And that's not, that shouldn't be the case. It should be they don't get to get anybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I just, what are we meant to do? What is, what is the solution here? If, if every time one of these things happens, all that, all that's brought up is like, oh, you should have your keys in your knuckles. You should, which you shouldn't. It should be one key and you should do a downward thing because your keys are going to slip through your fingers. So don't Mm do that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and you're going to cut yourself, uh, but they, but they, um, like keys in your knuckles, always making eye contact and looking at them because then ask them the ask them the time. Yeah, if you think
0: they're gonna following you. Like ask them a question. Yeah, mm-hmm. but
2: but honestly, most of the time, like I've talked to my roommate to Carolyn, who's our composer. She made her amazing music. We talked about this before, and I go honestly, even after hearing the Mary Vincent story, where all she did was bend down to
0: tie her shoelace. Mm-hmm. Like, but even then, she was tying her shoe because she thought she'd have to run. Yeah, yeah. because we're always in that state. All the time. Always. Yeah, and it's
1: not something that. It's not on us. It's on society, man. Like, get your people in check. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. Collect your own.
1: Collect your own. Mm -hmm. Like, (sighs) keep your friends in check. Teach your sons
0: and daughters and everyone. Teach everybody to (laughs) just not attack people. Like, don't rape.
2: Like, there is no such thing as consensual sex. There is just sex and rape. Yes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like. Either, if it isn't consensual, it's fucking rape. Yeah, exactly. You know, right, but there's right. no, like, cons- that's like saying uh, every time they, like, report, a ch- like, a, a child, a little girl getting, uh, like, raped or something, they say, like, a young woman or something, like a mm-hmm. like a teenager. No, no it's a child. She's a child. child. Yeah, a child. don't, like, same with a little boy getting, you know, molested and stuff, like, it's a child. That's mm-hmm. not cool. But, yeah, I just think, that makes me think, like, what are we to do if we can't even just go to bed in our own
1: fucking bedroom? Mm-hmm. Oh, Brenna, my love, we've only started. I know, I'm just saying. I, I know, like but I'm on my get soapbox so, already, I'm so not You're going to get so mad. I'm going to start you're putting more get... stuff
2: on my soapbox to get taller, because I love being the tallest in the
1: room. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, okay. Carry on. Sorry. I was like, like,
2: what are we supposed to do? I know. What's the end result
1: here? I know you're just going to get so much more angry as we go. I have coffee. You've had coffee. We've all had coffee. We've got our coffee. Today, Amanda was our coffee witch. Thank you, Amanda. Coffee coffee. witch. Thank you, Amanda. Coffee witch, Amanda. Mm -hmm. So, a week after the brutal beating, Ted Bundy took the life of Linda Ann Healy. Uh, Linda was a college student, a psychology major at UW, a musician. She sang in the choir on campus and uh, was well known for her morning weather and ski reports with the Northwest Ski Reports. She lived in a greenhouse with four other girls and everyone watched out for each other and took care of each other. Linda went missing in the early morning of February 1st, 1974. She was 21 years old, and the day before was totally normal. Nothing strange or out of the ordinary occurred. Her roommate recalled picking her up from campus at like 5 p.m. They all shared a meal together. Linda went and did a grocery run and was back by 8.30 p.m. Then the group decided to go out for the evening. They, like many college students, went to a nearby tavern and had some drinks, which is totally normal. I mean, actually, when I read that, I thought about, like, us in college and, like, going to... Because there's, like, that bar that was really close to school steak that a bunch out. of us went to. The steak out. Yep. <laughs> Good old steak out Sure is. It's still there. They, they do great Philly cheesesteaks. Well, hey, hey. Yep. Steak out. Uh, so they all went home, and one roommate did say that they recalled Linda talking to her before she went down to her room in the basement. She said in a news clip, uh, I was in my room studying late, probably until almost 2 a.m., and she came in about 11.30 p.m. into my room and spoke to me then, and she seemed really in a pretty happy mood. And then she said she was going to bed, and that was 12 a.m., that clip was actually heard in the Conversations with the Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes, which tap that because we're gonna be watching that on me and the gals at the end towards the end of the month. We're gonna rewatch the series and talk about it. So join us. join us. Join us. Give it a give it a watch
2: and then uh, that way you guys can just do it with us and you know, give us, give us your two cents through email and Instagram. Like, reach out and talk about what you think about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. and if you watch it before we do, still, reach out to us. Let us know your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Linda was set to start her routine like normal. So, like, every day her alarm went off at 5.30 a.m., but this time it kept going off. Another roommate went in to check on her, and that's when the horror of what happened in the wee hours of the morning came to light. Linda was gone. Now, it should be known that this roommate, Barbara Little, was down in the basement too. Their rooms were actually divided by like a thin added wall. And Barbara heard nothing strange that night or in the early morning until the alarm clock didn't stop. It was strange, but the horror of what happened hadn't hit home yet. There was nothing visible at the first to show that something had happened or that she'd been taken from her room. So her job called and asked where she was. Oh, no. So it started to get even more strange. Um, It was strange for everyone because she was a person who was always on time and very reliable, and now the clues are starting to pop up. The back door was open. It wasn't locked. No one saw her on campus that afternoon or later at home. She didn't show up to a family dinner. Finally, the police were called. It took all of that, and the police were finally called. When the police investigated the room, it was, quote, made up neatly. They did find some blood on her pillow and then on the top area of her sheets. Then in the closet, they found her nightgown, and it was soaked in blood in the neck area. (gasps) There were clothes missing, too. Her outfit from last night, a pink satin pillowcase, and her backpack were also gone. They interviewed over 65 people about this event, and there were very few leads. Over a year later, March 3rd, 1975, her skull was eventually discovered at the burial site of many of Bundy's victims. Um, there were vicious signs of attack on her skull, and Bundy did confess to this murder before his execution.
2: So he knew her because of the skiing stuff.
1: Yeah, that's, he, that's how he found her. her. Yeah, yeah.
2: is that because he was such a, he was a skier? He was a skier. The skis. A skis. Mm-hmm. He was a skis. <laughs> You're right. So yeah, so he must have heard her. Because he was a skiing person and that's probably how he heard of her,
1: right? Probably. And they probably, you know, saw her on campus mm-hmm. or followed her on her bike when she was riding to and from these places that she'd go to. Everyone knew who she was. she was. So many people listened to that little silly radio show that she did and loved her and yeah. Yeesh! And it took so many little steps for people to finally go, something's wrong. Like, well, oh, she didn't come to work. Oh, she's not on campus. Oh, she didn't go to dinner. Maybe we should call the cops. Well, kind of like we 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 talk
2: about this a few times in a couple of different ways, and I have an episode coming out in November after all this. That's like a kind of in that way where it was back when you could just go away for like yeah. you could just there wasn't the same type of um like account not accountability, but there wasn't the same type of like, uh, expectation to always be responsive or yeah no cell phone, no cell phones so like so you cut ca- people just kind of gave you the benefit of the doubt it'd be like if they called your house number and you didn't answer they just went oh they must not be home and that was the end of it mm-hmm. it right. wasn't like they aren't answering what's going on huh. it was just that's that was how that was so mm-hmm. so I can imagine it takes just a little bit longer to like be like wait a minute and they just needed all those people to come forward, like her work and everybody mm-hmm. to just ask where she was. Yeah. And she was so well known, so like, that's even
1: worse. Right? Yeah. Because everyone's probably like, wait a minute. Wait, yeah. What? And nobody like thought to go into her room to look at anything because at first they didn't think anything was wrong. They didn't notice at first that the door was open uh, unlocked. They didn't notice that there was a little blood and, on her bed and on her sheet. Was they the
2: didn't... door. Was was is, is was that usually unlocked or was it mm-hmm. always? No, no, it's usually
1: locked. So someone unlocked it? Or, I don't know, or she like forgot to lock it when she right. left. I don't know. I don't know what exactly happened.
2: Interesting. All
1: right. And so we continue. On March 12th, 1974, a 19-year-old girl named Donna Gail Manson was attending the Evergreen State College when she was kidnapped and murdered by Bundy. She had left her place to attend a jazz concert on campus at 7 p.m. Oh, she loved magic, death, and alchemy. Like, oh, girl. She played the flute. She was five feet tall. She was very smart, though her grades didn't reflect that. She smoked the lovely Mary Jane and was known to kind of wander off. So when she was taken, it wasn't looked into as a major issue at first. It took six days for the police to actually look into her disappearance. She was never seen again. Bundy did confess to her murder before his execution, um, stating that her remains were among the unidentified bones found on March 3rd, 1975, at his mass victim burial site. But, as far as I know, it still wasn't identified. It's really sad. She's somewhere in there. Mm. On April 17th, 1974, another 19-year-old girl fell victim to Bundy. Her name was Susan Elaine Rancourt. She attended Central Washington State University. She was blonde which is a switch for his MO. Um, This is one of the very few victims, yeah, that didn't match the type Bundy went after. Uh, She was hardworking. She had two full-time jobs before she started school. Um, Her family had moved to Alaska while she decided to stay behind and go to school. She wanted to go into medicine. She was always looking for another job to help out saving money or paying tuition or help her family. She worked full-time at a nursing home, and on the fatal night that she disappeared, she had heard of a job opening for a dorm advisor. She didn't normally go anywhere alone, especially at night, but on this night in April, she did. She did some laundry and walked to the dorm advisor meeting alone at 8 p.m. She was supposed to meet a friend to watch a German film at 9 p.m., and she was late, so her friend just went in without her and didn't think anything of it. But no one ever saw her alive again.
0: Ooh. There
1: was some co-eds on campus that told the police they remember meeting a man with a cast on his arm asking for help mm-hmm. carrying things to his beetle.
0: Mm-hmm. <sighs>
1: Yeah, she was one of the bones discovered on Taylor Mountain. Um, the skull was found viciously fractured, and Bundy also confessed to her murder before his execution. There's
2: something that I um, read about with the Bundy cases where um, it really terrorized ent- like entire communities out there, and because it was all smaller towns, it was all like you know f- people, everybody knows. Essentially, everybody knows who everybody is, or they're just very aware of your existence because it's a small town, so you see the same people everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, like, that... And you're not even done yet, but, like, th- even just those... That many women, those that many people, mm-hmm. like, um, just unaccounted for or missing or plucked from, like, the their everyday lives is... Like, entire towns were so messed up by all this stuff, because, mm-hmm. like he took young women that everybody knew
1: yeah it wasn't yeah and it, it left a mark even after he was executed because mm-hmm. like I got these stories growing up in Utah like mm-hmm. those are the stories my dad would warn me and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that when we get into another case another um, situation that's about to happen but like, there's reason why, because he just affected so many places and jumped states, and yeah. just yeah, he really made a major mark. That's in how a lot he got away with it
2: for so long, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was like, no, that's Ted in Wyoming. I'm Ted <laughs> in Utah, or like Wrong you know, Ted. yeah, the other Ted. Not me, the other that's Ted. That's always my joke. Is that I? I remember watching the first time watching that Confession Killer thing. They were like, he just said it was the other Ted. <laughs> like,
1: <of laughs> oh, the, oh yeah,
2: the other one. Yeah, okay, the other Ted.
1: The other Ted. Um, so on May 6th, 1974, Kathy Parks was a student at Oregon State University. She was a world religions major with ash blonde hair. Friends and family talked about her last week before she disappeared as a terrible one. She had broken up with her boyfriend, gotten into a fight with her dad, who then later had a heart attack, and he was fine, but she felt really guilty about all the timing and them being in a fight, and her family was all the way in California, so she didn't really get to go see them. It wasn't easy for her to travel down there. The night of May 6th, she was going to meet some friends for coffee, but never arrived. Mm. And she was missing until her skull was found on Taylor Mountain a year later. Damn. And Ted also mentioned her murder in his final confessions.
2: Did he just, like, come out, like, at the very end and was like, all
1: right, guys. So I'll talk about that. Okay. There's, like, a whole process. Because he was trying to delay his execution. Right. Um, he tried to
2: do the thing where he was like, I'll tell you
1: where more mm-hmm. people are. Exactly. So you let me. And they were
2: like, fuck you. Get out of here.
1: Well, and I'm, I, I like, there are a lot of people that are still unidentified and still missing, and had they not fucking executed him, they may have gotten that information. Like, there's so there's families that still have questions that will never know, mm. ever, and he may have, like, it's a chance, but you took that option away from families. So May 31st slash June 1st, um, 1974, 22-year-old Brenda Ball had gone to a place called the Flame Tavern alone, she told friends that she would meet up with them later. She tried to catch a ride with one of the patrons at the bar, but they were headed the opposite way. She was last seen in a parking lot with a man who had an arm in a sling. Mm. And she was missing for about 19 days before anyone thought something bad happened. Mm. Her fractured skull was found on Taylor Mountain, and Bundy also confessed to her murder.
2: That's frustrating. It's frustrating that he used the he used an injury
1: that's his big M.O. out he right. in all of these things he's got either a leg in a cast an arm in a sling he's got something and he's like oh i just need help with this thing mm. because people are nice like i mean i like helping people too like i get it but i'm also always have my antennas up right but it's you're just reason to it's
2: people like him that make it so that we don't Help strangers. He utilized and abused and manipulated people with that. Mm-hmm. So, this is why we can't have nice
1: things. It's true. Ted. Ted. <laughs> June 10th, 1974, in Seattle, Washington, beautiful, pleasant, and trusting 18 year old George Ann Hawkins went missing. It was exam time at college, and she was doing her best to bring up her C average. She was a member of Kappa Alpha Theta sorority. She and one of her sisters went to a party briefly. She had a couple of drinks and then went to her boyfriend's place to say goodnight before cramming the rest of the night for her big Spanish exam. She left his place around 1 a.m. and she never returned to her sorority house. It is important to know that she only had 40 feet to go from his place to hers. 40 feet. That's it. After she didn't come home, the police were called, and since another disappearance in the area had just happened, they took action immediately. The house mother did recall hearing a scream that woke her up, but she thought it was just a student messing around, and she went back to sleep. Uh, Bundy did confess to this murder, and though his memory was foggy, he said that he remembered how trusting she was. He asked her to help him with his briefcase, as his leg was in a cast and he needed help. She helped him, and he proceeded to knock her out, threw her in his car, and sped off. He said that before he murdered her, she'd woke up in a haze, and she thought that he had been sent to help her study for her Spanish exam, and he knocked her unconscious again and dragged her out of the car and strangled her to death. Before he was executed, he told authorities that part of her remains were in a different place. They were part of a group of remains that they had found in September 1974, about two miles from Lake Sammamish State Park. He's...
2: I'm just so mad. No. <laughs> Flames she didn't On the side so of she my face, didn't you. yeah. <laughs> gets worse. Uh, it's just so many people in such a short amount of time. Oh, yes. I just don't know if I've ever known anything like that in my lifetime other than, like, that many people being just removed other than, like, the one October shooting. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm just, I can't even think in my lifetime having that many people in, like, my town Just go Mm -hmm. away. Just the fact that he was, like, using an injury and people are just trying to be kind. It's some bullshit.
1: It's some bullshit. It is Mm -hmm. bullshit. July 14th, 1974, Bundy found himself at Lake Sammamish Park in Washington. Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. And maybe in Ted's mind, it was like hitting a jackpot. He managed to kidnap two women on the same day. From the same park without leaving anything behind and not even being memorable enough for people to really pin who he was how does one do that be charming enough to get women to go with you but forgettable enough so that no one around you really remembers you now, eight people said that they saw some handsome tan man in a white tennis outfit with his left arm in a sling there were even pictures that people turned in from the day to see if maybe they could find him in a random photo nothing no man in a white tennis outfit in any of the photos. There were several other women that he approached asking to help. He was like, please help me with my sailboat because my left arm is in a sling. Oh, and hi, my name is Ted. There were at least five women he went up to. And one of them said that she did start to walk towards his car, but there was no sailboat. So she was like, bye, mm-hmm. and turned around. Janice Ott was 23 years old. She had taken a job in Washington that made her move away from her home in Riverside, California, where her husband remained. Um, She was a probation caseworker for the King County Youth Service in Seattle. She was blonde with beautiful green eyes, and she was having a really hard time on the 14th because she was missing her husband. And she was really torn about how much she loved her job and, and the difference that she was making, but she still really missed her husband. She left her roommate a note saying that she would be back by 4 p.m., she got on her bike and rode down to the park, and then she decided to help that poor man with his arm in a cast.
2: Um, Does he ever talk about uh, how he came up with that, with being injured? Like, was he actually injured at one point and then realized that it worked? Or, I'm, I'm just trying to wonder.
1: I don't think so. I think it's just a matter of knowing that women typically have more of a nurturing nature, so he just... Played into that, like, oh, but I'm hurt. Please help me. Mm.
2: Yeah, I'm just, I'm. Um, I guess in my mind, I'm like, you're like, which came first, the Bundy or
0: the cast? Yeah, like, <laughs> what? How, yeah,
2: exactly. How did he come up with that? How was like, w- what was the ding moment, and mm-hmm. then he was like, I'm gonna try this. I'm just so do curious and see yeah. what happens.
1: Um, maybe when we rewatch the confession tapes, it'll come up. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Um, four hours. Four hours. Four hours. It's just four hours later, Denise naslin was uh who was 18 years old was a girl just spending the day at the park with her friends she was in night school studying to be a computer programmer and was working part-time to help pay for school she had walked off to use the bathroom at 4 30 and did not return the group was hoping that maybe she went looking for her dog but then the dog came back to the group alone Mm -hmm. Four hours later he snatches janice and four hours later he takes denise their remains were found on September 6th, 1974, in a wooded area where Bundy would also sometimes place his victims. He confessed to both of these women's murders before his execution.
2: Did he uh, did he kill one first or did he were they together at one point?
1: Like alive? I don't I think he killed one, one and then murdered the other. And got the other.
2: Hm. Okay. Yikes. There's um there's a series the series The Stand, they remade it. Um Uh, Stephen King's The Stand Mm -hmm. and uh, the newer version of it is so good, it's so spooky but Mm -hmm. there's this whole, I think it's The Stand yeah, because it's the end of the world there's this whole part with a trucker that kidnaps these two ladies and like, holds them at gunpoint and essentially is like, these are my wives i want to have wives, it's the end of the world I'm just gonna have two wives Like, so he kidnaps these two ladies, it doesn't end well for them, but uh, but it's just that kind of we have these things where we say, I'm going to go down fighting. I'm going to go down, like, making sure that I get as much DNA under my fingernails and whatever is possible. But the unfortunate thing is, most of the time, you won't see it coming. Yeah. Like, you won't get a chance to fight them off. Like, yeah. we all like to say that. Like, you know, and it's, obviously, yes, get as much, like, if, if you take anything away from, from morning murders, it's lawyer up. Lawyer yeah. up. Lawyer up and get as much DNA uh-huh. Anywhere is possible. Yeah. Do Bites. never go to a
0: secondary location. Yeah, never go no. to a secondary location. That's the other taught me. Yes, yeah. never <laughs> go to a secondary location.
2: Always lawyer up and always just try to get DNA somewhere. Because even mm-hmm. if you don't
0: survive it, um, it helps. Anybody I the, Now, this is a story I'm not going to ruin because I'm probably going to tell it later, but there's a survivor story that I know that I heard recently on another podcast where this girl actually like was biting and ripping off her fingernails to leave her DNA at the scene. Oh. Like she was like spitting out her fingernails and then also grabbing him and getting DNA on her, but she was like leaving her own nails Yeah, and oh, like
2: wow. hair and
1: stuff. That's mm-hmm. interesting. I've never heard that, the switch of that before, but that's smart too. Yep chimney. These motherfuckers are gonna
0: find me. That's they the find end of the day. Whether I'm alive, alive or they're not. They're gonna know I was here because she didn't know if she was gonna get taken to another location. Yeah.
2: We have these things in mind but sometimes they're uh, it's just gonna be something on the back of the head when you're tying your shoe. You know like mm-hmm. it's just gonna be something you don't expect which is
1: awful Ted. Yeah you know I wish that I could tell you that things were gonna slow down. Mm-hmm. That he you know focused on some job he'd taken or a new school venture but no. Uh, so uh, grab a sip of your comforting cup of joe, because it's about to escalate. Oh, no. Mm. Mm, um, if sweet, you- sweet, <laughs> sweet,
0: sweet escalation. Sweet, sweet
1: escalation. So if you haven't noticed yet, he's been attacking every month. Bundy continues to find ways to take more lives and still stay undetected. Oh, so so men have their periods. Is this what, I
0: mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: like what he's proving here? Well, he's everyone tested. has a cycle. That's very true. Right. Like your everyone does. Chem- the chemicals does. in your body do things. So mm-hmm. he, every month, would get the
1: vibe. Get the get vibe. The vibe. Yeah. And sometimes a little greedy. Um, yeah. Clearly, he did a twofer. He did, but now the police did have more of a description of him. They know he calls himself Ted. They know about his Volkswagen Beetle, and they are being told that he might have a British type accent. Uh, there is this—I know—I I always find really funny because he just, like put on this accent thing, but he's he really bad at it. It's so yeah, really like, bad British accent. It's kind of like I don't even know. Yes, <laughs> yes. Are you a Beetle? Are you <laughs> Sweeney Todd? He it helped was, me with my with my groceries. My Beatles over beetles. there. My Beatles. Yeah. Oh my arm, om, My arms. My
0: arms. My arms. Gone all wonky. Steer governor. Yeah. All right, <laughs> governor. Uh, uh,
1: there is also a sketch of him now, and flyers are going up everywhere. They are getting over two hundred tips per day. But despite Ann Rule starting to suspect Ted, Liz calling in with a tip, and one of his psychology professors at UW calling in a tip, the police do not think to pay attention to this charming, kind, smart, clean-cut law student named Ted Bundy. So Ted jumps around. Now we go to Utah and Colorado. Ted has officially started attending University of Utah Law School in Salt Lake City, Utah, my hometown. Um, It's fall, it's nice and cool, the leaves are changing. Ooh, the smell of pumpkin spice lattes are in the air. Well, maybe not. It's 1974. I don't think they've quite gotten the pumpkin spice latte yet, but you get my drift. They're just drinking out of pumpkins, pumpkins. it's the 70s. <laughs> yeah. Look at this giant pumpkin. Look yeah. put coffee in here. I put steamed milk in a pumpkin. <laughs> Did I do it? Did, Did I, I do this? Am I right? basic? Did I do this? Am I basic yet? <laughs> I invented basic. Oh, no. So Ted took a little break in his murder spree to get settled into this new chapter, but not too long. October 2nd, 1974, 16-year-old Nancy Wilcox from Holiday, Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, There is little known about how it all went down, but she was last seen in a Volkswagen bug that matched Ted's description of his bug. And she was never seen again. Ever. To this day, her body has not even been found. Wow yep so uh, thank goodness for the people that said no to him
2: mm-hmm. or the people that have been around if the only people that ever saw him were the people that disappeared it would have taken even longer oh yeah yeah or ever. we never yeah. got him so thank goodness for people that say no and for people just being around you never know what sort of information that you have
1: about just your daily life that could help somebody mm-hmm. somewhere you know sure every little thing makes a difference October 18th, 1974, the daughter of Midville's police chief goes missing. Melissa Smith was 17 years old. Uh, Midvale, Midvale, Mid, I'm going to say it wrong my dad's going to yell at me, is a small Mormon town in Utah. It's quiet, but every kid, especially a police chief's kid, knows to be safe and aware of your surroundings. When it's such a small town, you feel safe all the time, right? how could things go wrong? Things get overlooked all the time because you're just so comfortable and safe. How do you see small red flags when you're so comfortable where you are? Because, like, what do they say? Nothing bad happens here. You hear that all the time. Mm. But on October 18th, Melissa was supposed to go to a slumber party, before which she walked to a pizza parlor because a friend of hers was very upset over a fight with their boyfriend. She left the pizza parlor to get her things for the slumber party, but never made it home or to the slumber party. Mm -hmm. She was found nine days after her disappearance, nude and near Summit Park in the Wasatch Mountains, about 28 miles from her small, safe hometown. She had been severely beaten with what was thought to be a crowbar, and after the autopsy, it was said that she was beaten before she died. She'd been strangled, raped, and sodomized, and Ted did confess to this before his execution. Did he have a place,
2: like, in Washington in these other two states where everybody was? Or he just didn't have, like, a... He didn't have a home base, I guess, where he no, left all the bodies in because hers was... He, they found hers because it was... Right.
1: There was no, like, real, real, um, place that he buried everybody.
2: You know, in movies, they make bad people out to be ugly and terrifying and all that stuff. They, like, movies and uh, television and all media tells us that, um the bad people look a certain way, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and he just didn't, right? You said that at the very beginning. He just looked like a normal dude, Um, maybe moderately attractive according to some people, but, like, Mm -hmm. that's not, we can't just assume that media is reality, right? Like,
1: terrible people can just be people, right? It's true, you know, that saying, don't judge a book by its cover. Mm. You don't really know what it's going to be all about. And, like, I'm grateful for my parents because they did tell me that. They would tell me that sometimes it's not the scary person that's the bad person. They could look really nice. They could say nice things. They even have your favorite toy that you've been trying to get us to buy you. But don't go with them. Yeah. Don't yeah. go
2: into the van for a bike. Mm-mm. Don't go look... Like, that was something my parents always put on me. They were saying, like, if any, like. First of all, we'd never get a random stranger to come get you. Like, you would Mm -hmm. never have, like, a stranger pick you up from school. And then the other thing is, like, never go with anybody if they say they lost their dog. Like, because they'll have a leash with them to, Mm -hmm. like, prove it. But there's no dog around. Like, Mm -hmm. can you help me find my dog? Like, an adult is never going to need a child's help. No. Right. That's stupid. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so, yeah, that, that was something that was definitely put on me as well. Yeah.
1: Then... October 31st, which is the day I love Halloween, uh, October 31st, 1974, Halloween, Laura Amy, she was 17 years old and she was a high school dropout who had moved in with a few friends and worked small jobs. She was insecure like a lot of teens are. She thought that she was awkward because she was six feet tall and 115 pounds and she talked to her parents daily despite moving out early. And on Halloween, she had gone to a cafe that was hosting some Halloween activities, but she got bored and so she left. And it's said that she left around midnight and was wandering over to a park, and she was never seen alive again after that. She wasn't reported missing for four days, uh, and she was found almost a month later in the same mountains. She was nude, she'd been beaten viciously with possibly a crowbar, and just like Melissa Smith, she had also been sexually assaulted. And Bundy did confess to this murder before his execution. 16 and 17, just children. Um, On November 8th, 1974, now this day is rather eventful for Bundy. This is a story that my dad has told me many times. It was the warning I got as a kid. So, on November 8th, Carol Durant, who was 18 years old, braved the rainy weather to take a little shopping trip to the Fashion Place Shopping Mall in Murray, Utah, which is a mall that I spent a lot of time in as a tiny red-headed child. <laughs> uh, and Carol also spent many a day at this mall. It was familiar ground, so she always felt safe going there alone. She parked her car and she went in. She did run into some cousins while she was there. She purchased some items. And then while she was in a bookstore, she noticed a handsome man in a sports jacket with wavy hair and a mustache. He came up to her and asked her about her car. He asked her what her license plate was, and she told him. He acted like he knew it and proceeded to tell her that a shopper had reported that someone was trying to break into it with a hanger. He then asked if she would come with him to see if anything had been stolen. Now, her little danger voice did start going off at this point, but she still went with him. He didn't say that he was a security guard outright, but he was so controlling and authoritative that she thought he was security. Once they got outside, she started to get more worried. He even started to talk about how his partner probably already caught the guy, blah, 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 and then she asked to see his ID. Good honor, man, I mean, good. Can I see your ID, sir? Uh, Ted only laughed it off and kept on walking. When they got to her car, she checked everything, and it was fine, nothing was wrong. He tried to get her to open up the passenger door, but she listened to that little voice that was like, no, this is not, not needed. Don't do that. Um, But this story doesn't end there. Ted, going by Officer Roseland of the Murray Police Department, convinced her to come back with him to the substation to chat with his partner about this thief who she didn't see, to identify him. But Carol knew it all sounded off and kind of argued with him on the way to this substation. Second location. Uh, uh, this, they got to this door, 139. He knocked on it and played it off like it was supposed to be this substation. The kicker? It wasn't. I know. Big surprise. <laughs> but Ted still kept the act up and Carol stayed. He then proceeded to convince her to follow him more. He led her to his beetle. It was unmarked and looked crazy suspicious. She demanded to see his police ID, so he very quickly flashed some gold thing at her. He got into his car and she argued not to get in, but she still thought, ah, it's a police officer who's trying to help me. So she gets in. She smells alcohol, the car is not a police car, tries to get her to put on her seatbelt and she was like, hell no. The car was already moving and leaving the mall. He claimed they were going to the Murray Police Station, but then started to go the wrong direction. She's really panicking now. I mean, what is she to do? What has she gotten herself into? Who is this guy? This car is moving, so she can't just get out, right? I mean, her mind starts going into survival mode. Ted suddenly stops the car. They were in a parking lot near some grade school. His smile was gone and he was a completely different person as he turned to her. She tried to reach for the handle to get out, but he was so much faster than her, he handcuffed her wrist. And then when he tried to get the other one on, he missed, thankfully. So she started kicking and fighting, trying everything she possibly could to get away from him. He pulled out a gun and started threatening her. And somehow she was able to fall backwards out of the door. So she started to run as she got out of the beetle, but he grabbed her and threw her against the car. He had a crowbar in his hand now, and she fought and managed to kick him in the balls and break away. Yes! Hell yeah! So she ran, and she just ran and ran. She didn't know what direction she was going. She just knew she couldn't stop, and she had to get away from him. And she did. Thankfully, there was a couple driving along where she was running, and they stopped to help her. Mr. and Mrs. Walsh heroes. They got her to the police station and she was able to tell her story, which plays a major part in the trials that are to come in Bundy's near future. Mm. After all of that went terribly wrong for Ted, he was angry and desperate. And that's when he found Debbie Kent. She was 17 years old on November 8th when she disappeared. She was at a high school play with her family. Her younger brother was at an ice skating rink and she was just trying to be a good sister so she offered to pick him up letting him know that the play was running late during intermission, and so she left towards the parking lot around 10.30 or 11 to go get her brother while her parents stayed to finish the play. She never came back. And it wasn't until around midnight when her parents realized that their car was in the parking lot. All the other cars were finally gone, and the police were called immediately. All they found, however, was a small key. A key to a handcuff. That matched the one Carol had on her wrist. <gasps> right, because mm-hmm. she still had it on.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, so he was like, "I don't need this key." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bloop. Yeah, uh, and Debbie was one of uh, Debbie was one of Bundy's confessions before his death. And now we venture into 1975. Summer of Love, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take a quick swig of my coffee because things are not slowing down.
0: Mm.
1: So. <laughs> July 12th, 1975, Uh, Carolyn Campbell is taken from her hotel in Aspen, Colorado. She's 23 years old. She was engaged and had gone to Aspen as part work, part fun. She didn't feel well on this particular day of the trip, and she had fought with her fiancé about the wedding date. She went to go grab a magazine from her room to read and relax, but she never returned. Her fiancé went to go find her. The room was empty, and she never came back. Her fiancé had to leave and go back home with his kids, but kept hoping to hear from her. And on February 18th, the worst news came to light. She was found off Owl Creek Road, nude and beaten to death. Bundy did say her name when he confessed to multiple murders before his execution. Did he, did he like
2: know, like not know, but did he like know the names of these women at all? Like I know that he confessed, but was he like, oh, like he had to be shown a picture to be like, yep, that was her, like... Like, I'm wondering if you, like like looked at their IDs or you know because some of them had their stuff on them or whatever like I'm curious if he like learned their names and I then think like he did
1: learn their names. like yeah. that's part of his whole thing it's his trophies What's it's his yeah. things it's whether he asked them or not or just looked at an ID I think they all became a part of him he was collecting gotcha. these women or
0: he heard it in the news later mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like,
1: yeah, oh yeah yeah that's yeah you're right that's her name that,
0: that girl's missing I know that girl
2: yeah 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 interesting that's okay. one of yeah, mine I was, I was very curious about that
1: interesting Uh, March fifteenth, 1975, Julie Cunningham was 26 years old. She had a history of heartbreak with men that never worked out. She had just been let down yet again. She called her mom and said that she was meeting a friend at a local tavern, but she never showed up to the tavern, and she was never seen again. And her body was never found, but Ted did confess to her murder. Mm. April 6th, 1975 Denise Lynn Oliverson was a 25 year old woman who had just gotten into a fight with her husband she left the house to ride her bike to her parents house, she didn't tell them ahead of time that she was coming over and after hours and hours went by, her husband started to get concerned, she hadn't come back yet so he called her parents and learned that she never arrived Mm. and they learned she was supposed to be coming over but they had never seen her and her body was never found they only have Bundy's confession to her death Melanie Cooley was only 18 years old when she went missing on April 15th, 1975. She'd walked away from her high school and was never seen again. Her body was discovered by some road workers almost 20 miles away from her school. She'd been hit in the back of the head, hands bound, and a dirty pillowcase was around her neck to strangle her, and Ted confessed to her murder. On July 1st, 1975, Golden, Colorado, 24-year-old Shelley Robertson, was known for hitchhiking just for fun. When she didn't show up for work, friends and family didn't think anything of it at first. The summer went by entirely, and no one thought anything of it. Then more things started to come to light. Her family learned that she didn't just take off on her own. A policeman said that he had seen her at a gas station with a man in an old truck. And friends had seen her the day before she went missing, and she said nothing about leaving, nothing about going on some fun hitchhiking extravaganza. Over a month later, her body was discovered. Two mining students had come across it inside a mine. She had been left nude, but her body was so badly decomposed that the cause of her death could not be determined but Bundy did confess to her murder. So during all of these horrific murders, Bundy was starting to get on the police's radar. In Washington, they were trying to match suspects who also had a Volkswagen Beetle, and Ted was one of the 25 people who turned up. He was now in the second pile of the to be investigated group, and then the Utah police called Washington. August 16th, 1975, Ted had been arrested when he failed to stop for an officer at a traffic stop. On his person, he had In no particular order. List. Yeah, that was for you, Amanda. List of baby. Uh, (laughs) Ski mask, crowbar, handcuffs, trash bags, an ice pick, and several other items classified as burglary tools. Seems legit. (laughs) He was pleasant and charming, and um, he let them ask him any questions they wanted to. He would answer them freely. I mean, why did you have a ski mask? I ski. Why do you have these handcuffs? Oh, those? I just found them in a dumpster. They're for my penis. (laughs) They're for my penis. penis. Uh, Detective Jerry Thompson from the Utah team did connect some dots. He put together the Volkswagen and the attempted kidnapping of Carol, so he searched Ted's apartment. He got all the correct paperwork done, of course, so it was all legit. Uh, When they searched his apartment, they found many interesting things. Brochure. What, what did they find? What they they find. Us. Tell us what they found. A brochure. The cute little check mark next to the Wildwood Inn, which is where Carolyn Campbell went missing. Hmm. When she went to go find her magazine, I also believe they saw a bike tire in the kitchen. It was being used to like hold pots and pans and stuff. And that tire is, uh, I believe, Janice Ott's bike. And <gasps> he took it as a trophy, baby. After the search, they brought Bundy in. He was put in a lineup, and Carol and other witnesses were there, and they totally identified Bundy, (gasps) uh, saying he was Officer Roseland, the same man who'd been lurking around the high school when Debbie Kent went missing. The trial was four weeks long, and he was convicted of kidnapping Carol and was sentenced to 15 years in the Utah State Prison. Then Colorado police wanted to bring him in for some murders committed in their neck of the woods, so he was extradited to Colorado to stand trial. On June 7th, 1977, at the courthouse in Aspen, Bundy was on trial for the murder of Carolyn Campbell. He did have access to law libraries, and he was super cool with the guards. So cool, in fact, that they would leave him alone. So this dude fucking jumps out of the window, just like Sally Hardesty. Mm. Second story of the building. Sprains his right ankle, but keeps moving. He ran at first and then started to kind of walk it off casually in the yeah, you crowd. Yeah, gotta be casual. Gotta, gotta be, be cash. casual. Gotta be casual. Got some new clothes. I thought this was really done well with Zac Efron in the movie, actually, when he jumps out and like just starts walking around. <laughs> so Bundy goes undetected all the way to the top of the mountain and hangs out in some empty cabin. He even comes into contact with people looking for Ted Bundy and just talks his way out of this close call and just gets away. He successfully escapes up until a slip-up he makes on June 13th, 1977. He steals a Cadillac and he just started speeding and kind of swerving around and a cop pulls him over. Whoops! Six days of freedom and it could have been longer if he would have chosen things a little different. So back to the trial he goes. Uh, He was in the market for a new escape plan though. He gets a hacksaw blade, acquires $500 in cash, and starts a new diet. He slims down because he's hacked away at a small space in the ceiling. After two weeks, he's able to fit up into that opening he made. That, I remember that part. Mm-hmm. That part, I remember of him
0: like losing a bunch of weight to fit through the hole. Yep. Oh, God. Inmate, commit to the bit. Commit
1: to Ugh. the bit. Inmates <laughs> tried to tell the guards what was going on, but nothing was looked into. Then there was word that his trial was going to get moved to Colorado Springs. New venue meant new prison, so he had to act. So on December 30th, just about a week after the ruling of the murder trial start date getting moved, um, he put his plan into action. He had been conditioning the guard to think that he woke up late and didn't take his breakfast tray right away. And that it wasn't until maybe closer to lunch that he would start to eat. So that they wouldn't suspect anything at first. He dressed as warm as possible, put books and things in his bed to look like a body. He got up into that crawl space and followed it to the closet of one of the jailers. On this particular night, the jailer and his wife went out to a movie, so the apartment was totally empty. He crawled out of that linen closet ceiling and just walked out of the apartment. He was a free man. He managed to get someone to pick him up once he made it to the road, got dropped off, took a bus to Denver got on a plane to Chicago at 8.55 a.m., and the guards didn't even know he was missing until noon on December 31st, 17 hours after he escaped. And that, my lovely friends, is where our coffee cups turn up empty today. Woo! Any final sips, ladies? I feel like I...
0: Oh, my God, that was a ride. That was a wild ride. Um, I think uh, my final sip is going to be similar to kind of what Brenna was saying earlier of just like, people are awful and that's not your fault. And there are just, there are monsters out there. And it's unfortunate that specifically women have to be looking out for them around every corner all the time. Um, Let's do better. Yes. Yeah. And,
2: um. My final sip is a quote from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, <gasps> and uh, another um fucking likable asshole said it. Matt Lauer. Oh. Mm. He said, "I'm always amazed at what women will do because they're afraid of being rude." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I just think of the one lady that like followed him around and was like, well, what if he is a police officer? Okay, if a police officer is taking you around and doing all these shady things and whatever it is, and you're afraid of being rude to that person because they're a person of authority, it will shake out and you'll be fine. You know, unless you're a person of color, they'll just kill you. Hot uh-huh. take. But if you just go like, no, because your safety is at risk, like if an unmarked police car pulls you over, you don't have to stop for that car. No. You can call in. 911 and go hi there's a unmarked police car I don't recognize with the other thing you have to remember is that they have blue and red lights like sometimes they'll just have the red because you can buy those or they just Uh. have the blue it will shake out you are your best advocate stand up for yourself don't be too polite like if someone's being shysty don't be too polite about it because like
0: to quote another great True crime podcast, Crime Junkie. They say, "Be weird, be rude, stay alive." Yeah, just (laughs) yeah. Don't. And I love that so Mm -hmm. much. I live by that. That was the thing.
2: Another one of those, you know, childhood things is my mom was like, "If anyone ever takes you or grabs your hand, like, don't be polite. Don't be afraid that an adult is going to get mad at you.
0: Scream, kick, have a tantrum, go Mm -hmm. nuts because Mm -hmm. that creates attention." Because if it's a real grown up that actually knows you and actually cares, they're going to be like, wow, I'm glad that you didn't trust me. Good job for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Proud of you. Or, like you said, if it isn't an actual real officer, it will pan out. They're going to be like, that's okay. You shouldn't trust me right away. Okay. Let me prove to you that I'm real. Okay.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah
0: being
2: recognizable, making noise, being loud, being aggressive, or just like talking back or whatever it is that won the house mom for the, the sorority. Oh, yeah, she only I heard, heard the one scream. scream, you know, like like be loud, be crazy, say crazy shit and, like yell and you know, leave your DNA, like, cause cause a scene, because you're not safe, and there's no, like, politeness that you have to take for that, like, Mm -hmm. society will move on, like, it's fine, just be
1: crazy, like, be shitty, like, yeah, (laughs) to quote another podcast that I love, uh, my favorite murder, (laughs) my favorite murder, fuck politeness, yeah, fuck Fuck politeness. politeness, indeed, fuck politeness, um, are both really great final sips I'm going to use my final sip to talk about possible victims there's only a couple of them and they just were ones that people think might have happened but he's never said anything so May 25th 1974 Brenda Baker disappeared she was only 15 years old when she ran away from home her body was found on June 17, 1974, in Miller, Slavonia Park. Her body was so badly decomposed when they found it that it was impossible to determine how exactly she died. No one from her home reported her missing, and there is little personal information about her. Mm. September 2nd, 1974, a Jane Doe in Boise, Idaho, got kidnapped. Um, May 1975, 13-year-old Lynette Culver went missing from her school's playground in Idaho. June 28, 1975, Sue Curtis went missing in Layton, Utah. She's only 15 years old and she was attending a youth conference. July 4th, 1975, Nancy Berard was 23 years old and worked at a gas station in Layton, Utah. She routinely saw strangers and Um, had passing interactions and Bundy was possibly one of the ones that she met before she went missing Mm. Uh, February 1976 Debbie Smith at age 17 uh, she disappears and her body is found April 1st at the Salt Lake City International Airport Mm. so there's still a lot of people um, uh, I have a a book that is the Encyclopedia of Serial Killers the Big Book of Serial Killers by Jack Rosewood co-author Rebecca Lowe and it's cool and there's a Ted Bundy section and, and it lists all of his victims and all of possible victims and there may even be more because I don't even think they've been able to find everybody at these burial sites and possible other sites that he may have had that we'll never know because he was executed mm-hmm.
2: do you think he would have uh told him about it um at the end of the day just you've you've you are a content expert like <laughs> with him so what do you do you think he would have eventually come forward or no
1: I think that he was so in love with himself and so and suffered from narcissistic personality that he would have that he would have started mm-hmm. saying more things because he loved to talk and he mm-hmm. loved to talk about himself and he loved to talk about things and feel like he was in control and he lost the control and that and he got executed. And I
0: think it might have taken something like that like something that he can't control like oh you have cancer. Then he'd be uh... like, "Well, I still need to control my life, so I'm going to tell these stories because yeah. I can control this." Yeah, I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, we would have known, and it's really unfortunate.
1: Yeah, hmm. I mean, and he was he was like in communication with FBI agents, like, and I'll talk more about that, in our in the last one before we we watched the confession tapes, um, because yeah, he was having active interviews with people, and they were trying to get more information out of him, and but that that option was taken away when Florida decided to execute him. The penis of America. The penis of America. Someone said that uh, Maine is the penis of America in a stand-up that I, I, think, I recently listened to. I think it to.
0: depends if they're flaccid or hard. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right? If you're flaccid, you're flaccid Florida. Florida? Erect Maine.
1: Mmm. Mm. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> great. Yeah, I
0: think that's a good place to end it.
1: Yeah. Thank you for listening to
0: Morning, Morning Murder. Murder.
2: We talked about a lot of penises. Not enough in
1: my no, book. Never enough. Yes, <laughs> me. Have a murder you like to talk about over coffee? We would love to hear about it. Email us at morningmurders@gmail.com. gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Morning Murders. In today's show
2: notes, you can find our cited research as well as a few of our favorite mental health
1: resources.
2: Yeah, Joe. Fucking commit.
1: Do it! Commit! Commit! You're so close! There you go. go. Find my bean. Find my bean. Beans! Our beans! (laughs) When you said um if I wanna know, I'll ask you. I just got if I wanna know, I'll I'll ask ask you. (laughs) Don't put that in the (laughs) poopers. Don't put that in the poopers. That was a bad metaphor. (laughs) That was a bad metaphor. That's why they say it's called bumpin' uglies. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, Mm hmm. Oh. <laughs> uh Science. It's just science at this point. I'm not even not.
0: Speaking of science. Yes. <laughs> and then Amanda I just to breaks to out things like. It
2: work, but it couldn't. If you put this cornstarch with water,
0: it has surface damage.
2: She just starts doing like a, a little like <laughs> 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 science experiment for
0: no reason. We're, We're like, not. where did you get all that stuff? Guys, I, I don't know, I made a generator.
2: <laughs> 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 I don't know. Here's a generator. Here's a thing. It's fine. You Instead of any who here is
0: one kid, I actually legit made one. Well, Dirt, my, dad's so. <laughs> my dad's a scientist.
1: <laughs> my dad's a scientist. <laughs> a my dad's a scientist. I'm a man. My dad's a
2: I love the idea of you making fake blood and then I just come in with like a jug of Ben Nye and I'm like,
1: did it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's zesty mint flavor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Stop, friends. You're ruining everything.
0: No, I think it'd be funnier if you were just standing behind me the whole time mm. and then you just smile and blood rush out your mouth. <laughs> End of video.
2: Oh, we were doing fake blood. I yeah. should put this bird away. Uh, oh my <laughs>
1: God. Oh my no. God. I'm like, guys, anyone see my bird? <laughs>
2: <laughs> mm. <laughs> you guys seen my bird? <laughs> when did you get a bird? Uh, you don't have one anymore, so.
1: Oh,
2: <laughs> oh no. Un- oh, no. <laughs> yes. Amanda. Amanda.
1: Amanda. Amanda! 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 Amanda!
2: Amanda! 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 Amanda!
0: Amanda! 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 Amanda Of where we last left off
1: sorry where we last left off quote it to quote Brendan. Yeah. We, yeah. we left the five the three the three the, three. the one ted bundy ted Bundy. Uh, <laughs> we left ted once oh. once we left him mm-hmm. because people were so kill and execute and t-shirts were made there were big things going on it was all over the papers fucking florida just but wanted did to Did
0: have an snl skit i don't think so <laughs>
1: did he no. No. Oh,
0: no. no <laughs> Maybe so not. Maybe not. The other one. Like Gary I Gilmore. actually haven't Gary. looked it up. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was, I was just making it sh- great... Oh, I'm, oh I'm my God. Taking it back. So taking <laughs> it back, back to, Gary to Gary Gilmore. Gilmore. Gary Gilmore.
2: <laughs>
1: Did the band make anything about Ted Bundy's eyes? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm hot on the mic. So hot. <laughs> um, <laughs> glitter, <laughs> glitter everywhere. It's gonna sparkle. That's the future. Yeah, I'm projecting the future. I'll just cut that, out. that is I'm the future. Cut that out. <laughs> Open your water bottle. Sorry, fine.
2: <laughs> Stay okay. hydrated, babies. Water. Okay, I'm just doing yeah, sorry. I'm so sorry.
1: It's okay. I Gotta get that water.
2: We got to stay hydrated, guys.
1: Stay
0: hydrated. Just like, you so much. Mm. I'm gonna need
1: water. <laughs> <laughs> Shum, uh, Sam, Sam Mash. Mm, I'm going to say it wrong. I practiced it too. Lake Sam Mamish State Park. Uh, Was, mm, Wasas, nope. Wasatch? Wasatch. <laughs> Hold on. I just made my thing jump. So how did I do that? Okay.